listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. Welcome to episode 31 of the Testudo Times podcast. I just heard a little bit of a cricket noise and feedback in my ear. I'm pretty sure that wasn't either of the two of my co-hosts tonight. I hope it wasn't, although it is very late. We had to wait a while to record this. Uh, Joining us today, a little bit of a rotation. Dave Tucker is back. Hi, Dave. Hi, how are you? Uh, Tired. Still a bit weary from the snow and the metro. I was coming back to College Park today, today being Tuesday, because of the snow. And Metro was working really nicely when I uh, came on in, like, the middle of the afternoon. And as soon as I get back to my room, there's that great site, ismetroonfire.com. <laughs> it is the most amusing website ever. And I come home, and there's fires on three lines. So clearly, I jinxed, I jinxed it. It's amazing. It worked really well for me once, and then I missed my train by 10 seconds. And the Metro is awful, if you didn't already know that. But you probably all listening to the show already know that. And uh, Matt Allentuck is also here to uh, talk us off the ledge. Well, but I, and when by say us, I mean some people, about uh, the loss to Michigan State. We can't talk ourselves off the ledge about the horrible, ugly, neon green uniforms. Oh, yeah. Those, those uniforms are absolutely brutal. If this was Nick in the 90s, I would have assumed everyone was slimed. It's, they're just gross. That's a fair assessment. I think, honestly, you saw that Draymond Green tweeted out. They sent him one of the uniforms. There's no way he genuinely liked that. I would, ex- I would assume not. They remind me, if you were any soccer fans here, they reminded me of the Seattle Sounders, and they're the only team that I can ass- would allow to even remotely wear a shade of green like that. That's just in your face, and it was disgusting. The, the student shirts that they handed out were awful. Yeah, they kind of. I'm color. I'm colorblind, not to that extent with green, but I wish I was colorblind with green after looking at those uniforms. They were it hideous. Almost, it was almost like a patch of grass surrounding the court. I was very confused, like from the aerial shots. It, was it pretty- didn't. It didn't make any sense. I, I, and it's not even close to the shade of green that Michigan State wears. I don't. I don't get it. Uh, somebody. Bad, ugly, ugly. Somebody dead. had it. Well, again, people will say, "Well, you go to Maryland, you have nothing with these these uniforms." Hideous helmet. I'll give you that. Uniforms, not so much. Well, at least the Maryland ones have, like, they've all tied into the state colors and the state flag. I just don't get where that. The, the first, the, it was the helmet. It was the shock of seeing that helmet, that Miami Maryland game, that Monday night in the monsoon. It was the shock of seeing the helmet, and it wasn't refined. The ones with the hand painted flag, those are a lot better. Those are beautiful. We yeah. can all admit that those are amazing. But. Anyway, we've got to stop talking about uniform aesthetics because we have to talk about Maryland basketball aesthetics, which really weren't that fun. Michigan State had lost a couple. I've lost three in a row going into that game, and we all thought, hey, maybe if there's any time to beat Michigan State, this is the time to beat them. And, of course, Maryland doesn't do that. This was a game where a lot of the problems we saw against Northwestern came back to bite Maryland in a big way, Matt. Particularly, we'll start off the hop with the obvious issue, which was rebounding. It was a problem against Northwestern, against a team that was undersized and not nearly as athletic, and then Michigan State killed them for it. Why did this happen again? A lot of it's positioning, and it's pretty fr- it's pretty frustrating. Uh, Michigan State did another great job exploiting Maryland off the pick and roll, which you know I pointed out you know in an earlier article that Maryland really struggles guarding the pick and roll. 
you know, they're letting mismatches happen. They're, you know, when one guy's fighting over the screen, there's no communication, and two guys wind up chasing the same guy. The hedger's coming out too far and leaving guys wide open underneath. And then Michigan State wound up missing a ton of shots. Michigan State shot really poorly, which ended in And it more- still felt like they were dominating the entire game, except for oh. maybe one or two spurts. Oh, absolutely. So, they're, you know, their missed shots converted some more opportunities, and, and they took advantage of those opportunities as, you know, a big was, was on a small or something like that, and Maryland didn't do a good job doing some simple things, doing some boxing out, uh, pushing guys outside of the paint. Uh, and, and that was the most brutal part of this game, I think, just watching Michigan State grab offensive rebound after offensive rebound. We didn't talk to you after the Northwestern game, but that was a huge, huge issue. Now, Maryland overcame it because they were at home and Northwestern isn't very good. But against Michigan State on the road, you can't do that and expect to win. And they made it seem like, or at least Mark Turgeon made it seem after the game, that this was something they were going to fix. And, well, I don't like saying that they didn't fix it, but they clearly didn't fix it because it got worse. And Michigan State's a better team. They've got more athleticism. They've got more size. But this is a team that Maryland should have, in theory, played much better against. They lost three in a row. They were in a tailspin, and Maryland could have buried them, conceivably. And they gave them all these opportunities. So, aside from the rebounding, because there were other issues in this game, what were the other issues besides the clear rebounding issues, Matt, that you had uh, that you took issue with? Uh, getting, getting good open looks was, was another huge problem. I saw a lot of poor shots going around. It didn't seem as smooth, uh, like normal Maryland basketball working around the paint. I think another big problem that's happened in the past few games is teams know what Jared Nickens is going to do. And Jared Nickens is a huge spark off the bench and he's usually instant offense hitting, you know, a three or two. And he hasn't been able to get open, and instead he's sort of been forcing shots too, and I think Maryland has to do a better job getting him involved on the offensive end. You make a good point that I want to bring Dave in on, and I have somebody on Twitter who's a friend of mine who goes to this school that loathes every time Varun Ram comes in. Now, he's great defensively, but he always says it's four on five because you know Ram's not going to score. And I don't know what Jalen Brantley did to be exiled to Elba, or basketball's version of Elba, but... When Varun Ram comes in, there is no threat from him scoring. He's good defensively, but he's good defensively in those sort of one-minute sparks, not running advanced sets. And Maryland's gotten themselves in trouble, I think, when you put the when you put him on the floor. Not that he's a bad player or anything, but he's just not there to score. Maryland needs that depth of scoring, and they haven't had it in the past couple of games, Dave. And yet Mark Turgeon continues to persist with this, and I'm starting to scratch my head more and more every time we see it. Yeah, I, I don't know. We're not we're not there in practice to, to know what's going on there. Um, but I, I just really think it highlights Maryland's loss of Deion Wiley this year, and it's really these past several games and, you know, throughout spurts this season, I think it's – I think that's Maryland's biggest weakness is that they don't have as much – guard depth as they could have had had he not gotten injured before this season i think if if he was there um he gives them so many more opportunities for scoring and um it would just be so much better they'd be such more rounded team i think and have you know another very good legitimate scoring option had he been here and I think that's really been exposed uh in the last couple of games and I, I think exactly. another thing is um Maryland has to realize that because of how high profile they are this year because 
you know, everyone's been talking about them. When they're playing teams, especially on the road, they're going to get that team's best effort and they're going to have a huge crowd rooting against them for each game. And I mean, Michigan State, they just they were playing this game like they were fighting to win the national championship. And you're talking about win the game to make the tournament. Right. It was a sense of desperation. And Maryland didn't seem desperate. And there are people on that t- on that Michigan State team who have played in huge games in March before, so it's not like and Maryland beat a large chunk of this team twice last year, right? Um, so, yeah, I mean they're in some sort of little funk here, and I think they're really getting exposed a little bit. Like Matt was saying, when when Nickens is out there, you you know what he's gonna do unless he's um, creating you know more shot opportunities that aren't just getting open on the perimeter, then, you know, teams are going to try to shut him down when he's out there. And then you're looking at um, Trimble and Suleiman to be your primary scorers and from a guard perspective. Matt, one of the things I saw a tweet after the game, and it's something we've talked about before, in contrasting Michigan State and Maryland and how Maryland doesn't really run offensive sets to the same way Michigan State, obviously a very complex offense, but Maryland doesn't really run sets. You know, it's Wait, wait, oh, is there a pick and roll? Is there a ball screen for Mello? Hey, look, take a shot or something like that and just hope and kind of hope and pray your shots fall. This is becoming a problem now. When Maryland shoots the lights out, nobody's going to beat them. And we've seen that happen this year where Maryland just gets on fire and you're not going to stop them. But in games like this, when you need to find ways to break down defenses, Northwestern included, this was another game kind of frustratingly where you'd see there's a little bit of a lack of thought and creativity in terms of the way Maryland can manufacture points on its own without having Melo Trimble or anybody get high. Yeah, it, it's a little frustrating to watch because we all know uh, from Turgeon's past teams that he's definitely more of a defensive-minded coach, and that's obviously why we're seeing Varun Rahm over Jaden Brantley because they pretty much, they're polar opposites in terms of what they do. And it's very frustrating to see a team with so much offensive potential because Let's get real. Melo Trimble is probably, you know, one of the best three offensive guards in the country. And Robert Carter and Diamond Stone are both up there in terms of big men. And it's very frustrating to, to see nights like the Michigan State night where Diamond Stone comes out with six points on three shots. I mean, Diamond Stone is the quickest scoring player Maryland has and one of the most efficient. So to, to watch him struggle to get any sort of positioning, which again is going to come because he's a freshman, but to, to see that maybe uh, Turgeon kind of forgot about him a little bit uh, is definitely frustrating because Stone is definitely the guy you want to get involved because no one else around the perimeter was really hitting, so Trimble was really it. Uh, so again, why we didn't see more action with Stone, I- I'm not sure, and I think that's something that Turgeon might need to, to work out with, with his guys. What are teams doing to get Diamond to take Diamond Stone out of the game? Because Michigan State did a way, design a way to get him out. And I'm not well versed in basketball or tactics. I'm not as well versed in that as you are. So what is Michigan State and what are other teams trying to do to take Diamond Stone out of the game? Well, what we've seen more from Diamond Stone is his ability to hit shots in the mid-range area. And that's, you know, something that we didn't know from the first few games if he truly had and he does, and that's why he's been able to score uh, in small clips, but teams are doing a much better job of keeping him out of the paint because once he catches the ball uh, anywhere inside the arc, he's going to have an easy time with a quick pump fake, and we've seen him use his left hand you know, terrifically. So teams have bumped him out, made him shoot more, and 
for that reason, you know, he's a little more hesitant to take those type of shots as if he were underneath uh, around the rim. Uh, but that's what that's what teams have doing been doing. They've been pushing him out of the paint, and for some reason, you know, we haven't seen enough pick and roll to see him maybe get open. But you know, that's all that teams are really doing to keep Diamond out of the paint. Matt, we've seen also teams doing really well at preventing Melo Trimble from getting to the paint too, who's really, you know, that drive and getting to the basket was one of Maryland's main offensive drivers last season. And teams are doing really good jobs at preventing it. They're playing zone pressure, stuff like that. Northwestern did it really effectively. So did Michigan state at times. And Melo's going to get his chances at the rim every single game, but he's not getting there consistently. And sometimes just has to heap hose shots just in order to get Maryland back in it. What are teams doing to stop that? Is it a similar sort of defensive thing? Or is it something else? I think it's a bit of a different mindset for Melo this year. As, you know, last year it was pretty much him and Dez running the show. And now he has the ability to play back more and allow his teammates to sort of contribute. And that's probably the reason why his free throw shooting numbers are a little bit down. But Melo is shooting, his two-point percentage numbers are, you know, incredible. He's shooting way better from inside than he was last year. He's finishing a lot better. Probably a lot stronger, too, as you know, we've seen him bulk up throughout the summer and throughout the Pan Am games and stuff like that. Uh, the difference for Melo, really, scoring-wise, has been his three-point shooting. His three-point shooting has, has dropped a couple of points, and he's looked, he's looked pretty weird shooting from range in the past couple of games. In, Michigan, in the Michigan State game, I remember, uh, he kind of forced a few shots in the first half. He would take even the game with, Sorry, even the game winner against Wisconsin, he forced. And he made it, but he forced it. Uh, yeah, you're going to live with that with that type of shot but in the in the early goings against michigan state he took three i think it was like three threes on five possessions where each three was just a step farther back than the next and and he hasn't looked good from range so i think for mellow trimble his issue more has been his shooting from deep which is strange because you know we, that's really you know where he thrived last year so now well one other thing on this game and then we'll move on to the biggest game of Maryland season against iowa because i said last week because of course it is Michael Tchaikovsky didn't play against uh, Northwestern because he was sick. He played a bit in the game against Michigan State. He was pretty good, again, continuing the trend of he has good games against big teams. I don't understand how that continues to happen, but it does. With DeMonte Dodd getting into foul trouble consistently, that's not a new thing. That's been a theme for many seasons. And with Diamond Stone a bit raw, as we see, and teams starting to find a way to take him out of the games, Michael Tchaikovsky had a little bit of an impact on Saturday, which I guess is one of the few bright spots you could take from this game. Right, Dave? Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Um, I think having Diamond Stone on Maryland's roster this year has been good for him because it's allowed him, I think, to be able to develop and refine his skill set without having to be a major contributor um, play starter type minutes. And I think he's going to be really, really good next year and benefit a lot from that um, after this season. And, you know, he has the ability to come in here and be a really skillful, impactful player in Maryland's front court. And, um, I don't think many coaches have the luxury of having a seven-foot big man coming off your bench and being able to contribute at the level that he is able to. Even if it's a bit inconsistent at times. But maybe if he continues his trend against doing really well against really good teams, he'll do well against Iowa. This game is so bizarre because nobody expected anything from Iowa, and they're now ranked number four. I had a little tweet conversation with Alex about this. Do I wonder how many students actually realize that Iowa is higher ranked than Maryland? 
I'm going to go with not all that many. Uh, you know, I wouldn't put it past them, but yeah. I wouldn't put it past them either because it's Iowa. Also, here was a great stat from Jeff Ehrman, our friend. It's the first time ever the two top ten teams are playing at Xfinity Center. I would have never guessed that. I, I don't. That makes no sense to me, Dave. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy to me. I I would have sworn there was a some sort of top ten matchup like that. I I remember some previous games. I'm just trying to think. You know, back in Maryland's ACC days, but. Um, I'm sure he that Jeff knows and he's looked into it, so I, I don't I don't doubt that. It's just, it is just really surprising that it's that so it's weird. Never happened. That's just and of course it's against it's against Iowa because of course it is right. It's the year of the Iowa Hawkeyes, everybody. It doesn't make any sense. So they're number four in the country. They're really good. I watched them play against Purdue on Sunday, and Purdue's not a bad team by any stretch. They're going to make the tournament. They're not quite as good as we thought they'd be. They really tore into them at times. They went into the Breslin Center and kicked the crap out of Michigan State. They kicked the crap out of them twice. If it wasn't for the blown game at Hilton, you know, Hilton Magic and all that, they would be even higher rank. They could even be number one. That's how good they've played through a large majority of the season. Maryland's won, I believe. It's 24 in a row at home, which is like sixth, I think, in the country in terms of home winning streak. They've won 15 straight conference home games, every home game since they joined the Big Ten. This is probably Iowa's biggest test of the season. And to be honest, this is Maryland's most important game of the season. You're not going to get many chances to beat the number four ranked team on your home floor in a game that really can change the opinion of how some fans are starting to think of this team with the ugly losses at Michigan and Michigan State. This is, Dave, this is a huge game. And as we said, I don't think anybody expected that this would be Maryland's biggest game of the season. No, I think you're completely right. You, No one could have predicted that at this point in the season and looking at who else was on Maryland's schedule that this could be arguably their biggest and most important game of the year. Um, I think for Maryland, they really don't have that, a signature win over one of the top um, teams this season. I'm going to say this and now. This is- Sorry to interrupt, but I'm going to say this. CBS's bracketology has Maryland as a five seed. Like, I mean, they have three losses, but they haven't beaten anybody. So look I at really that, blame them for that. I agree. I mean, if you look at Maryland's profile as a NCAA tournament team, they don't have a super good win over a um, really talented team. I mean, their their best win so far this year is probably against UConn. And depending on what metrics you're looking at for ranking teams, they're somewhere in the 30s, I believe, in Ken Palm last time I checked. So this is really probably one of their best opportunities to pick up a marquee win against one of the top teams. I mean, Iowa is the number two team right now in Ken Palm, um, and they have a chance to to beat them at home. It's not going to be easy, but Maryland plays extremely well at home. Like you mentioned, they have the 24-game win streak going on right now and this is probably looking at the rest of their schedule their best opportunity to pick up a marquee win um they also play purdue at home twice they play purdue twice and then indiana on the road is the last game of the season that's really it right and i mean the the other teams they're playing still are ohio state nebraska the random out-of-conference game against Bowie State. I have no idea what that game is. Can somebody explain I think that? they just had they had you know a huge gap between games, and they didn't want to 
set because they have a game on February 6th, and then their next one wasn't until February 13th. So, God. <laughs> I'm calling that game, and somebody, I'm going to have to be telling stories during the entire game. It's going to not be fun. Anyway, that's just me. But it's, it's weird. I don't understand Bowie State at all. But so, I mean, sorry to Bowie State people out there if you're listening I, to the show. I was talking to Alex about this. I mean, we entered the season and thought Maryland had a realistic chance of being a one seed. And it's going to be really, at this point, it's really hard for them to be able to get to that point now without sort of running the table, winning out the rest of the season and potentially, you know, at least making it to the conference championship game in the Big Ten tournament. You know, Maryland's not going to be a one seed. And it's not even because they have to get those wins um, on their profile, but it's because other teams ahead of them already have those huge marquee wins on their profile. So it's it's picking up those wins and then also being able to leapfrog some of these other teams. I mean, if they if they won out and won the Big Ten tournament, yet yeah, there's going to be a one seed probably, but it, it's not something that's really realistic now. And I think you know, looking at this team and looking at the rest of their schedule, I think they're probably going to be a, a three or a four seed. They might be able to be a two. I is extremely unlikely they're going to be a one. So, I mean, it's, it's a realistic thing that people have to come to terms with. Well, Matt, as we've seen it, you watch, we've watched a ton of college basketball. Maryland's got a disadvantage in that they're not in as good of a conference as, say, like a Nova or, you know, UNC, Oklahoma, Kansas, Iowa State, all of them, they play really good games night in and night out. And Maryland, they got this game, maybe the Purdue home and home in Indiana, and that's it. And it's unfortunate that the Big Ten's in a bit of a down couple of years when Maryland's there, but other conferences are better, and all these teams have marquee wins that Maryland just doesn't have. And even in a year, as even as this year is, with everybody basically beating up on everybody. If you're a top 10 team and you go on the road, you're going to lose. That's just how it works. And seeding, I mean, maybe it really only affects where you play because a three or a four or a five could easily make a run to the tournament and nobody would, then wouldn't be a shock. But Maryland at this point, this game is huge for their tournament resume and not just for that, but for people's confidence that they can win in big games because right now, when you think about Michigan State and North Carolina, they beat Georgetown, but Georgetown isn't nearly what we thought they'd be. This is a huge game, and Maryland hasn't won their other big games this season. Uh, I mean, here's what I'm going to say, because everyone really focuses on the seeding and, you know, where where Maryland's going to land, the whole bracketology stuff. Uh, to me, at least, watching this team, the biggest concern isn't, you know, what seed they're going to end up as, especially in a decade where we saw, you know, what, UConn was, what, an eight seed a couple of years ago and won? I think they were a seven. seven. Were, they play, were they a seven and Kentucky was an eight at that yeah. point? Yeah. Okay, so any seed, you know, can make a run. It's not going to make that big of a difference. The biggest concern watching this team is watching how they play against these top teams. Even if they lose these games, making sure that they lose and they can figure something out based on that loss. The losses haven't been bad for Maryland. They lost three games by a combined, what, 22 points, and they were very well in the North Carolina game on the road. And they were in the Michigan State game, too. Well, the Michigan State game was probably the worst of their three losses. They really looked, I mean, they looked pretty horrible. And, you know, that nine-point loss. They still had a chance down the end to win it. Right. They benefited from some pretty bad Michigan State shooting because I don't think Maryland's defense was even great against Michigan State. But either way, they lose a, They lose on the road against Michigan when Melo Trimble played probably what's going to be his worst game of the year. 
They lose on the road to North Carolina by just eight points, even though they played horribly in the first 10 minutes, and Marcus Page went out of his mind. So really the losses haven't even been bad losses, you know, with the exception of Michigan State. So even if Maryland loses, let's say, against Iowa, which, you know, everyone's going to go into a panic over, the real question is whether they fought against Iowa and whether they can pick up on what they can improve against Iowa, and then they do that against Ohio State when they come back again against Nebraska because, let's get real, Maryland's not going to win out. They're not going to go on this crazy, you know, 10-plus game winning streak. It's just not going to happen. So the bigger focus is seeing, seeing what they can do better and actually working on those things because I don't think that we've seen much improvement game to game from, let's say, Northwestern, which could have been a loss to this Michigan State game. It's all about so it's all about improvement and where this team's going to be in, in March because this team in January is a hell of a lot better than this team was in November. So let's see the improvement that the team can make from January to March. Let's break down this Iowa game because it's a fascinating matchup for Maryland in terms of who Iowa has, who they can put on the floor. And coming into the season, we talked about how many matchup nightmares Maryland has for other teams. There aren't going to be many times this season where we talk about matchup nightmares the other team has for Maryland. And Iowa's got a couple of them. Namely, I think somebody asked, who guards Peter Jock? Good question. Who guards Jared Utah? Good question. Matt, who guards them? Who stops them? Because right now, you watch that game against Purdue. Jock, when he gets going, feels like he's unstoppable. And Jared Utah is a force inside and out. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because, I mean, especially I think Utah is just, just going to be the most interesting matchup in general. I mean, that guy... That guy has crazy NBA potential, first of all, just because of uh, his incredible length, his, his hook. He's going to be probably, you know, the toughest matchup Maryland has. I'm sure they're going to try. Do you put Robert Carter on him? It's tough because Rob Carter is definitely one-sided in the fact that he is a much better offensive player than it, than he is on defense. Uh, I think that Maryland's going to probably wind up throwing a combination. They're going to try to play Robert Carter. Who knows? Maybe, maybe Turgeon sticks with his two bigs. I doubt we see a small lineup from Maryland. At least I hope we don't see a small letter from Maryland because it's going to pain me if I see Varun Rahm play play more Big Ten minutes. But It's going to uh, pain a lot of people. Yeah, it really is. Uh, but I think Maryland goes big and probably probably alternates flipping flipping maybe guys like Rob Carter, but maybe they throw in Tchaikovsky and, and DeMonte Dodd. Do you think this is a Tchaikovsky game? Because this has the feeling of a Tchaikovsky game. Because he, yeah, remember right. last year against Frank Kaminsky, he had one of his best games in a Maryland uniform. We've seen that. He played pretty decently against Michigan State. This has the feel of a game where Michael Tchaikovsky rises to the occasion, somewhat unsuspectingly, but we're talking about it here. So. Oh, sure. Tchaikovsky, I mean, he could definitely start on a handful of teams that Maryland's played in recent weeks. Tchaikovsky, you know, the, the worst part about Tchaikovsky is that he's playing behind Stone and Dodd and the fact that he can't really get assimilated in Maryland's offense because he's playing, you know, five minutes one game, 15 minutes the next game. He doesn't really play consistent minutes at all, and he's not really playing with the same rotations either. So that's what really hurts him. But if he can get into some sort of a rhythm, I can definitely see, you know, Turgeon wind up keeping him in for 15, 20 minutes a game as, you know, as we get closer to the tournament and, and Turgeon wants to go bigger. What about Peter Jock? It's going to be tough, too. Tall. Um, is this a Suleiman matchup? We know how good he is defending on the perimeter, but even somebody like him is going to have trouble with Jock when he's on fire. Yeah, I mean, we saw what Suleiman – I think Suleiman did a great job against Denzel Valentine, who was another, you know, tall, wingish type of guy. So Suleiman's pretty versatile in who he can guard. So throw him on, see what happens. Uh, excuse me, Dave. What does Maryland have to do, aside from the obvious fix the rebounding, what do they have to do to beat Iowa? Because as we said, they've already gone into some hostile environments this year and won big. Now, 
you could argue that this is different and Maryland is a completely different team at home than they are on the road, and that's true. But what does Maryland have to do differently aside from the rebounding, which we've already talked about, to beat Iowa on Thursday? I think they have to have patience. Um, they can't be forcing up shots early in the in the possession. They've got to try to get their best opportunity um, to, to put points on the board, and they have to try to get Iowa in a little bit of foul trouble and get to the free throw line. I mean, when they when they can consistently get to the line, they're an extremely good and deep team. And, you know, everyone on their uh, on the floor most of the time is capable of doing that and also capable of making free throws. And they haven't really tapped into that, especially of late. I, I just I know Matt talked about it a little bit earlier, but the the amount of free throws Mellow Trimble has taken this year is astounding. How many less he's taken, and as Matt said, that's that's a product of just how Maryland's different this year in terms of their personnel and who can do what. But you know, Trimble last year, I want to say, attempted over. 200 some free throws 240 free throws last year this year he's only attempted 77 um i if if they can just do that and i really think rashid suleiman needs to be impactful on offense as well he has seems to have a tendency of either being really impactful or just not doing much on offense it seems all or nothing right on offense so, you know, I think they need to get good production from their their guards. Their bigs have to be able to score inside. And, again, they just need to have have patience, not go down there and have someone chuck up a three and then be going back and having to get on defense right away. So, Matt, I want to talk about this chart you've made, amazing chart you've made that documents Mellow Trimble and how he's affected Maryland's points and what he's assisted on. I think something updated to the Michigan State game, he's got it on his Twitter feed, which you can check out. What is it? He's scored or assisted on, what, nearly 40% of Maryland's points this season? Something like that? Yeah, I'm going to have – I have an article ready to go for tomorrow. Well, today. Well, today because you're going to say this. But, yeah, it's it's interesting because of that. Talk about that and how he's impacted the offense and what he has to do because he scored plenty against Michigan State. I mean, you want him to score – plenty of those and have games like that obviously but it's how he's affecting some of these games we've seen him in games where he's on fire and he's playing in those passes that completely slices defenses open you just like who sees the court better off pick and roll than he does when he's on but in these other games the teams are defending him really well so talk about that chart and what does what does that say about Maryland's offense because I think it's fascinating reading if you want to take a look at it yeah, you know, I wanted to kind of look and see how much of the offense really still relies on Mellow Trimble, and it's a lot more than I even thought. You know, everyone still thinks that, uh, you know, Maryland's a really well-balanced team, which, you know, in a sense they are, but without Mellow Trimble, you know, this team goes nowhere. Uh, Mellow Trimble has scored or assisted on 570 of Maryland's, uh, you know, a little over 1,500 points. So, yeah, as Matt said, it's a little under 37% of of the of the Terrapin total points, you know, have something directly to do with Mellow Trimble, and that number is probably even a little, you know, still low because that doesn't include points scored off free throw assists or off Trimble's misses around the rim that get tipped in. So Mellow Trimble is really contributing to probably closer to the forty percent of of Maryland's offense. Uh, and 
uh, if you look at the chart also, you know, which will be up, Maryland's two losses in conference have come in games where Mello's assisted on less than 10 points. So, you know, that's that's something also to consider. Even though he's scoring, you know, 20-something points, he's got to, you know, he's got to rely on teammates still to finish. And I don't think it's Mello's having a tough time finding teammates. His teammates haven't been really hitting shots. And we've seen a drop-off in Rashid Suleiman's scoring and, you know, something has to something has to replace. If Suleiman isn't scoring, maybe he becomes more of a facilitator to Trimble. Something like that sort of has has to still happen. I think Suleiman getting involved in the offense more is something that needs to happen, especially against Iowa. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about something else that's pretty interesting. Remember last year in the game at Carver? I know why most of you wouldn't want to remember that because it was blowout and disgusting. Remember Adam Woodbury trying to deliberately gouge Mello Trimble's eyes out, Marx Brothers style? Yeah, that was a bit. Man, I, I forgot about that. You yeah. see, that was the thing. Like, somebody reminded me about that like, earlier this week, and I'm like, oh, my God, I completely forgot about it. I don't know if the student section's going to forget. I would hope they don't. But it, it's a kind of game like that. And Maryland, as we said last year, got killed by Iowa. So this <laughs> is, I mean. Virginia dealing. What was that? I'm sure the Turgenites will have something ready. I would hope so. Maybe they'll dress up like the Marx Brothers. That would be entertaining. Captain Insano shows no mercy. <laughs> very, very. I wonder how many people I, are I, I, the show uh, get that reference. Something in there. What? There's a nice I, Iowa pun. They'll have something. Oh, God, no. They'll have something. You just, you just ruined it. I like Dave's joke better. Uh, I completely forgot that that was a thing until earlier this week, and I, I, I don't know. Does that, does that affect anything? I bet that they've been shown film of that. And they remember the game from last year and how awful it went. And it's Adam Woodbury's the player that did it. He's still on Iowa, so I would wonder about some rough stuff inside. But just a little a little note for that. I, I think we should talk about the Ohio State game that's coming up on Sunday, even though all of the focus is on Iowa. Actually, before we get to that, does Maryland win this game, Dave? I know. It's, it's hard. If this was on the road, Maryland, I would say it would have next to no shot. But since this is at home, yeah, because, this is a great equalizer. Yeah, because this game's in College Park at Xfinity Center, I really think it's a, a coin flip. Um, I'll say Mar- I'll say Maryland pulls out like a one or two point win. Maybe um, you're looking at another Trimble last second shot that wins it for Maryland. I mean, you're gonna have a, a fantastic crowd behind them on Thursday. Um, it's gonna be electric in there. Um, and hopefully, you know, Maryland's done really well uh, coming off of um, the losses this year. So hopefully they have the opportunity to do that again. Um, when they've come off a loss this year, let's see. Well, they, destroyed, Ohio State? they destroyed St. Francis. They obliterated Ohio State. So we'll see what happens with this game. I mean, this is by far the best team they're playing following the loss. So, um, but I, I think they can pull out the win at home. If this is on the road, I think, as you said, it'd be a completely different story. Matt, do you think Maryland wins? Uh, yeah, I do. I think you look at the past two games and Maryland shot 12 for 44 from three. I just, I don't think that that's going to continue. I think, you know, once shooting, once Maryland gets better shots, and shots start falling, which, as dumb as it sounds, is truly a thing because Maryland has shot poorly. You know, I think Maryland bounces back. I'm really not concerned 
for this team, and I think anyone that is concerned is just, you know, was expecting too much from the start. Everybody's getting angry over nothing. Also, if Maryland wins, is there a court storming? We're getting court storming hot takes on this podcast, everybody. Know how much you love those. So embarrassing. Oh, I know, I know. I, I hate talking about it, but I have to. But since, but since I assume most Maryland fans, probably the students, don't know that Iowa's ranked higher, uh, I, I'm going to assume it probably doesn't happen. I hope they don't allow a court storm for a team that was ranked in the top four. Like, for a team that beats them that's eighth. Yeah. And also from a, a media row perspective, that just doesn't seem like a lot of fun. No, no, I'm going to say that doesn't happen. Okay, Dave, does it happen? I don't think it'll happen. Good. Good. All we need to say on the subject. We should talk about the Ohio State game on Sunday. Apparently, it's a scarlet out when Maryland's probably going to wear red on the road. That makes a bunch of sense. I like to think it's a euphemism for all the blood spilled on the court from 100 to 65, but that's just me. Obviously, Maryland's not going to win that game 165, but I, I think their performance is largely going to be dictated by what happens Thursday. It's kind of hard to preview that game when you don't know what Maryland's going to do against Iowa, obviously talking before that. Uh, it's on the road. Maryland's gotten destroyed the last two times they've gone to Value City Arena. I think they'll obviously play better because this is a different Ohio State team, but it's one of those tricky road games, and it's coming two days after Maryland's biggest game of the season. So this is a very, very weird game, and I don't know if that suits Maryland particularly well, Dave. Yeah, I don't know. Ohio State has just not played well this year. I mean, they they won their last game against Penn State by 20, but um, you know they're giving up a, a lot of points. The their previous game um, when they played Maryland, they gave up 100 to them. Um, they gave up 85 to Indiana when they lost to them. So you know Maryland should be able to score, but Again, you're talking about a road game, and who knows what can happen. It just seems like there's so much more inconsistency when this team is playing on the road. And, I mean, I guess you see that across most teams. But um, I think they'll win, but they're not going to win by, you know, however many they won last year. 35. Yeah. I mean, they'll probably win by you know, 10 or 15, or this is going to be one of those close games that they pull out at the end or pull away late in the second half. This is a weird game, Matt, as we said, because it's really hard to preview and not knowing what they're going to do against Iowa. And I think Ohio State, it's at their blowing. They're not going to lose by 35 again. They're going to want some revenge. Although I've never seen a team quit quite like Ohio State quit in the second half of that game, to be honest. But it still is a weird game. What Do you have any thoughts on that that are uh, worth sharing, I guess? Uh, no, I mean, I think that based on, obviously, the massacre that happened at Xfinity Center, you know, that game gave us no information to think otherwise that Maryland, you know, is still going to win. I don't think that Thursday's game should have any bearing on it, you know, win or loss. Uh, so I wouldn't expect, you know, whatever outcome happens on Thursday, I still think that Maryland wins comfort, you know, comfortably at Ohio State. It's going to be an interesting couple of the days in Maryland's basketball world. And we'll leave you on this. With recruiting, we'll do have we'll have a podcast talking about recruiting next week, hopefully, where we'll get through all of the recruiting ifs, ands, and buts, and crazy stuff that's going on. It's pretty it's pretty nuts right now with Maryland. Two star tight end from Alabama, and he's going to be the best tight end in the country because SEC, right? Yeah. <laughs> See, this is the this is the point where we usually get Matt off to the side because he's confused by football and Cruton and Paul Feinbaum. 
You know, you know what we should do, Dave? Just for a sec. We should strap him to a chair and make him uh, make Van Allen talk. Watch Paul Feinbaum's show. See what happens. It's like it's like Mal- it's like Clockwork Orange, right? Yeah, right. Slapping the Paul Feinbaum show into his eyes. So much distilled essence of SEC football. Or we could make him watch Georgia LSU from tonight over and over and over again. Uh, no. Uh, bad basketball is, I mean, the SEC does some things really well, but nobody does clown basketball like the SEC does. Truly. It's amazing. So that's it for now. We will be back with you next week, probably before the Nebraska game, because it comes on Wednesday, which is weird. We've been recording these mid in the midweeks, but hopefully we will see you all there on Thursday night. I'll be calling the game on WMUC Sports. You can check it out on my Twitter, at Matt's Musings once and I will be posting stuff, so if you don't want to listen to Dan Dockage gush about Maryland student section or Johnny Holiday, if you have every other option going away, you should probably listen to me. Anyway, I'm done shamelessly plugging myself. Thank you for your time, Dave. No problem. And thank you for your time, Matt. I'm going to set up the cha- appointment with the chair and Paul Feinbaum. Phyllis from Mulga, you're going to know the name. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> It's going to be great. And we'll make sure we have video of it, and it will be put on the Testudo Times website or YouTube for all to see. But of course, the terms.